Mills of Virgo here. Mills speaks here. Oh boy. Oh boy. So this beat, uh, this beat is called Work to Do. Um, those of you who are aware of the sample, um, y'all would think it's from the, the Vanessa, Vanessa Williams Work to Do. Uh, but it's not. It's um, it's another song. It's another song. And I guess I probably should have been prepared for this. I think the song was called Work to Do back in the day. Um, it's a, so Vanessa Williams' song Work to Do from the from the early '90s um, sampled this older song from probably the '60s or '70s. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. So Vanessa Williams, uh, hers actually got. Her song was sampled from Average White Band's Work To Do, okay? So, you know, I love that sample. I used the sample. This is a, a beat that I definitely wanted to um, shop to, like, Jay-Z, because I had, like, Illusions of Grandeur when I was a child, which you should. You should. You should always, um, you should always think that, you know, you can make it there. Um, and this is one of my favorite beats um, that I think was a whole beat. Um, like I actually had tracks for every single instrument and every single thing that you hear had its own track. I had to mix it down. So it was different. It was a different, um, process and experience for me. So I love this beat and I, I just wanted to use it for episode 16. This episode is called blah, blah, blah. I think I'm going to end up naming it something like us, curry, blah, 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 you know, all of that kind of stuff. Cause I have a few things to discuss. Um, I kind of feel like I have a lot to discuss. Um, so, you know, we'll get right into it. I'm not going to uh, lollygag here. I've already brought the beat down, so, you know, let's do it. Um, so, I've got tons of notes here. So many things have happened, um, you know. Let me just tell you what it is. It's hard out here right now to be a woman, okay? It's hard out here to be a woman, um, especially when you have people who you think are allies to the cause, um, and they want to be just ignorant ass men, you know what I mean, and, um, you know, I think Aisha Curry learned that this week, I think a lot of people learned this week that, um, while we say we want women to communicate more, you know, use your words, tell me what's going on with you, you know, all of that, um, that's not really true, that's not really true, y'all just want her to shut up, y'all just want her to shut up and cook, and never mind her feelings, and never mind her emotions, you know, so I just think that it's um it's unfortunate that um she got the backlash she got this week. So those of you who are not uh, aware, Aisha Curry went on the Red Table Talk, which is Jada Pinkett Smith's show, along with her daughter and her mother. Nice little three generation setup they got going on on Facebook Watch. Um, Aisha Curry and her mother, her mother-in-law, um, I believe Steph's sister, and then. Um, another young lady, so maybe this is the girl that's going to be marrying, um, into the Curry family, um, I think, uh, uh, Doc Rivers has a daughter that's gonna be marrying Seth Curry, Steph Curry's brother, who plays for the Trailblazers, um, I'm not sure, I have to actually watch it, um, to determine who all these people are, um, but it was a nice round table of, um, of women just sitting down and talking about everything, everything, so, um, they covered tons of things. I mean, they covered mental health, I think. They covered um, growing up biracial, which, listen, I don't even think I'm ready for that con- that conversation. I'm going to be honest with you because 
I mean, just a little tidbit that I saw from Miss Sonia, who is Seth's mother, Steph, Steph and Seth's mother. Um, Miss Sonia had a horrific story about when she was a, a young girl. Um, she was a uh, scorekeeper for the baseball team or the softball team or something, and they were just in the middle of a game. They were playing a black team, the black team she was on, um, and scorekeeping for, and they were playing a white team. And just in the middle of the game, just in the middle of the game, the KKK came through, stopped, stopped the game, threw out a, you know, a burning cross, you know, and it was just, you know, obviously game over. And so that that story alone was amazing. Um, I think I talked to a friend of mine, and I was saying how Willow's face, when she tells the story, lets you know how far removed, you know, the different... <coughs> Ooh, excuse me, yeah. The different ge- generations are from this type of treatment, this type of reality. Um, it also shows how really rich she is and how she probably never has to deal with racism on, on that type of level. It's probably on a much higher level, a deeper level, you know, another kind of level, but not this. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, poor Willow. She's over there stressed, honey. But unfortunately, that's not a new thing um, t- for me to have heard. And, you know, while it does, uh, while it does, you know, bring up like negative, you know, emotions for me, um, it wasn't a shock and awe statement. It was just like, oh, that's what happened. Yeah, down in okay, what year? Six, seven. Uh huh. Okay, yeah, that's about right. You know, and uh, and that's unfortunate because I think, I think we in the South and a lot of black people for a lot of things are desensitized by a lot of horrific things that happen. Um, so, you know, there's that. But the crux of what they discussed was the uh, groupies that the, the basketball player Steph Curry has, um, the groupies that uh, Wardell Sr., okay, Steph's father, probably had, um, and of course, um, Seth's brother probably has those, obviously. Jada Pink Smith was able to speak to a lot of this because she had to deal with the things that Will Smith had to deal with as well. So I think every woman probably understands exactly what that conversation is and was. So Aisha Curry came through and and she shared. What she did was she shared. And that's where she fucked up at, apparently. Apparently you cannot be honest and a woman in these streets. So basically, um, Aisha shared that she feels extremely insecure at some points. She's 30 years old. Let me set it up for you guys, for the ones of you in the back who are very confused about her statement. So let's first, let me tell you the the statement. The statement was that she feels insecure. She doesn't feel like she gets enough male attention because, you know, she feels like people basically look at her as just a mom, you know, and... Let's just break that down. Let's just let's just fucking break the shit down because some of you motherfuckers are ridiculous. So she's not saying that she's not satisfied in her her marriage. That's number one. She's not saying that she's looking for tons and tons and tons and tons of dick. Okay. She's not saying any of that. She's not saying that she would willingly go along with with anyone that does holla. She's not saying that either. What she's saying is, is that she's 30 years old. She's a mother of three. She just had that baby, what, several months ago. Okay. Baby might, might be coming up on a year now. Might. Um, so she's, yeah. Cause I remember her being very pregnant during the time when they won the, the, the championship last June. 
So, and I remember, yeah, I remember her being very pregnant out there, if I'm not mistaken. So, anyway, anyway, so, um, you know, basically, she, she wasn't, she's, she's feeling unattractive, she's feeling less than, because she doesn't know that she still has it, because everybody approaches her as, hey, Miss Curry, you know, oh, Riley, probably Riley, Ryan's mom, you know, uh, probably Steph's wife, um, probably, hey, Aisha, let's do a cooking thing, you know, it's never, it's never like, oh my god, did you see Aisha Curry? Damn! It's never that, right? It's never that, and you guys can sit here and say all of the craziness you want, but everybody looks for that type of energy every now and again. The problem that I had with some of these allies, and I'm just going to straight up call Charlamagne the God out on this one, because, I, you know, he's not hes not what you would call a straight-up ally and that he's an understanding person, but, but where I do credit Charlemagne is that when there are things that he discusses that he's 100% not privy to um, certain certain things, certain information, he goes out, he seeks out the people who would have a good... Um, you know, a good grasp on the topic, he listens to them, he takes this in, and then is able to say, okay, you know what, I don't know enough about this to, to, to talk about it, so, you know what, I went to these other people, and now I have felt this way, or maybe now I look at it that way, or you know what, even though I went to these people, I still feel this way, da-da-da-da. Charlamagne was on some bullshit, with, like, oh, you shouldn't be looking for validation, and if your husband's giving it to you, that's all you need. That's not what she's saying number one and number two who's saying that that's what Steph's doing not to say he's not but I mean shit maybe he's not I mean damn I mean if you're paying attention to basketball right now the nigga can't shoot he can't shoot he can't make a three shot right now to save his goddamn life it's game six tonight in Houston and I'm very worried okay I'll be suiting the fuck up but damn I'm concerned as hell I don't know what they're gonna be able to do and KD's out too so again he might not be giving her that at the house but realistically speaking he's he's not perfect he's not always going to be on it on it but i mean even if he were giving her this on a regular basis it doesn't mean that it's not nice to be um desired it doesn't mean that it's not nice to um have other people say oh my god you look really nice right now and then you know a lot of people like oh well they don't holler at you because they have a respect for Steph your Steph's wife and nobody's gonna holler you know and that's cool and that's really cool but where did the respect go once this stuff came out and all of these dudes came up in her DMs being so disrespectful so abusive one dude told her that if she was her his man his uh, woman that she that he would have knocked her head between the washer and the dryer now what the fuck you know like who in the fuck says that number one number two who the fuck does that number three i wish you would motherfucker i wish you would bitch ass so you know it's just it's just frustrating and i feel bad for her about this situation because i totally got what she was saying i understood totally and i ain't had to have three kids and and be you know in a space where i have you know insecurities like that I totally get it and she even started out by saying this is an insecurity of mine so my biggest issue was when I first heard the the quote initially I think this was what Sunday or Monday when it came out right um so when I initially heard the quote I did not agree with everything she was saying but I totally got 
what she was saying. And I have a feeling that in, in the world, people are so black and white, they want it to be one way or the other. There is no way in the world, like in some people's minds, that like two things could be true, even though if those even though those two things are like opposite. Like why the fuck couldn't she speak her truth, be totally within her right to do so, and I just not agree with her stance. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to tear her down to applaud her for being able to make the statement, being able to stand by her statement, and all of that. So so when I initially saw the quote, I said, okay, cool. But what was something something that is kind of left out for me, and a lot of people just kind of like glassed over it. Like you guys have glossed over the fact that Jada Pinkett Smith literally says after she goes into how you're not looking and you're not da da da, she literally says, "I know what you mean. I felt the same exact way." Like so, you guys are willing to tear down Aisha Curry. You see what I'm saying? And not Jada Pinkett Smith, who had and essentially Jada Pinkett Smith had our generation Steph Curry. Because you guys weren't in a situation where Will was out here cheating. There was no situation where y'all was on the brink of shit. You know what I'm saying? If y'all was on the brink of shit, it wasn't because Will Smith was being unfaithful. It wasn't because you were being unfaithful. It was because maybe you guys weren't getting the things that you wanted and that you desired out of the relationship. Or maybe it's just time, you know? I'm tired of you, motherfucker. I've been seeing your face every day for 15, 20 years. Fuck, I'm tired. You know, you never know what it could have been. But here we are, all of these years later, and they're still together. You see what I'm saying? And Jada Pinkett, if you ask me, had less leeway to feel the way that she felt. Because Jada Pinkett, from my account, never was one of those moms, you know? Oh, that's just the mom. Like, I'm serious. Yeah, she had kids. But I was like, that's motherfucking Jada Pinkett and Will and them kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, I never was like, oh, it's the mom and the dad and the kids. And no, I never felt that way about um, Jada Pinkett Smith. However, when I do see the family unit for Steph Curry and Ice Curry, I do feel that way and I feel very bad because obviously that's something that affects her. That's obvious that um, she would like to change that. And I think it's, it's possible for her to change this herself. I think if she were to um, get out of this funk, because it's probably a phase right now where she's feeling the way she's feeling, and maybe she wasn't secure about it now or before, but now she's not. Because again, these things were taped a while ago. I mean, she's not dwelling on it, I'm sure. She's got kids at the house, so she doesn't have time to constantly be worried about is she sexy or not. But at the same time, you know, I can understand where she's coming from. I can definitely understand where she's coming from. I can understand exactly, you know, why she feels the way she feels. Um, so that was my main thing. My main thing was Jada literally has said the same thing and understood exactly where she was coming from, but people are acting like she's shitting on stuff. My second thing is when she made the comments, I literally thought about this one episode of Martin. And it, it tripped me out because niggas love Martin. Okay, y'all love Martin, so y'all should remember this episode. And so tell me why it's okay for Martin, but not okay for Ice Curry. So, and Ice Curry didn't even do what Martin did. So this episode of Martin, it was shortly after he and Gina got married. And then he, he Cole, and uh, Tommy took their dumb asses to the, to the gym, okay? And, um, you know, they was working out and stuff, working out and stuff. And all of the girls was all over 
you know, Tommy and Cole, and then they was kind of like, they was kind of like repel that Martin was repelling dude or chicks, you know what I'm saying, basically, because he had his wedding ring on. So, um, one day, one day he decided, oh, well, let me take my ring off. Let me see if I still got it. And when he took the ring off, the girls flocked so hard. They flocked, da 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 They did all of these things. But again, this was back when women were not um, interested in dating married men because they were looking directly for that ring. And as soon as they saw the ring, they were like, oh, fuck this. You're not, no, you're not available. And we out. But nowadays, these hoes out here, these hoes out here are different, you know? So, you know, there's that. I mean, I guess there's always been scallywags that have been dating other people's husbands. And listen, I'm not perfect either. I mean, in my youth, I might have messed around with someone's boyfriend or husband. I'm Listen, I'm not... Listen, that's not the point. That's not what we're talking about here, okay? What we're talking about is the fact that um, he wanted to see if he still had it. Now, obviously, this is a sitcom, so things turned out crazy. So, obviously, he loses the ring, comes home, doesn't want to tell Gina, oh, I took the ring off to see if I still had it. So, then he goes, tries to find a duplicate ring, okay? Now, he's got two rings, okay? He's wearing a ring, Gina's doing laundry, finds the ring, okay, so how come you have a ring? So, now, the whole dumb, stupid, ignorant story has to come out because you got two wedding rings now, you big idiot. Instead of just saying, bae, I misplaced my ring at the gym. You know what I'm saying? So, I, as soon as she said what she said, I immediately thought about that. I was like, well, damn, Martin did the same shit in an episode of Martin where he doesn't need all of that validation from the women, but it feels amazing. And I think that's what a lot of men are missing, specifically Charlemagne. You guys don't even understand how it is to be a woman. And I'll tell you this straight up. So, I will go at least six months, I feel, without male attention anyone trying to holler in the streets anyone smiling at me oh you look nice looking you up and down anything that constitutes attention from males that you would deem acceptable okay um i go long stretches and when i tell you that it when it happens you're you're while you're not looking for it you're not feeding other people to get that back but when you get it, you like, oh, shit, I must look good today. And then you have, like, a to- it, it totally boosts your confidence when you get that type of feedback. Back. I mean, I really don't care if Charlemagne or any other man or woman understands this. It has happened to me, and I don't think of myself as someone who needs constant validation from outside sources. So, you know, I think everybody who's saying that can just go ahead and suck a dick and just leave Aisha Curry alone. She said nothing wrong. The only thing she did wrong was sharing it, was sharing it out here in these streets with, you know, you fuckers. I I saw a really awesome quote the other day that said that Aisha Curry, um, her only, her only flaw in this situation was sharing her heart in a heartless world. And, I I mean, I feel like it's a bit extreme, but I mean, it's true it's true so there's that so i'm i'm okay with aisha saying what she said i don't have no problems with it i don't think that um she should feel lucky to have a steph i think steph should be very lucky to have her because she seems really great really phenomenal really classy smart 
educated, she's beautiful, she's had your three children, she takes care of those kids, she takes care of the household, she has her cooking show, she has her pot line, she has, you see what I'm saying, like, she isn't just Steph Curry's wife, so I, you know, shout out to Aisha Curry, she's still one of my favorite basketball wives, I love her, I don't care what y'all say, and don't give a damn what y'all got to say, and lastly, of course, Steph Curry, actually, um, yesterday, or maybe it was today, I think it it was yesterday, he basically put on, like, his Instagram stories, uh, a nice little quote, um, you know, a little message to her, and it's a picture of them, and, um, it's a nice little message to her, if I can find it really quick, I'll go ahead and read it to you, because I thought it was dope, I was like, well, good, I'm so glad that he's not at the house feeling some kind of way, because, you know, you never really know what's going on, um, because, just... You just never know what's going on. And I love Steph Curry, and I would love to... I wouldn't want to think that he was in a situation where, you know, he was, you know, verbally or emotionally abusive toward her, which I'm sure he's not. Um, But it just... It really helped with him just coming out and saying what he said. Honestly. And I can't even find it now. Which is... You know, you know how the shade room is. It's ridiculous. You can't even... You can't even find stuff that you really want to find. It's ridiculous. Well, I'm not going to keep looking for it. So, basically... (laughs) So, basically, Steph came through with the support. He was just like, you know what? You are brave for even saying what you said. You knew that it was going to, you know, bring you some, some issues. You know, you handled the backlash perfect. You know, saying, keep being you. Keep speaking your truth. All of these things. And, you know, I... I couldn't, I couldn't be happier because, um, I couldn't be happier because I feel like that's all she needed. She needed that kind of, you know, that kind of love and support. So I just, you know, shout out to Steph for being great as usual. That's all I got to say. Um, okay, found it, found it. It took me a hundred times, a hundred clicks and scrolls and swipes, but I found it. It says, proud of you for being authentic and putting yourself out there, not being afraid of the potential bullshit and nonsense that could and did come at you. Way more positive than negative with all of this. Keep being you. I love you. So shout out to Steph Curry for saying, you know what? Y'all are out here dragging my woman down, but I 100% am good with um, what she said and how she chooses to express herself. And I would like to think that they've actually already dealt with this issue, and it's a non-issue at this point. And, you know, that's kind of how life is. It's not always going to be an insecurity of yours. Sometimes you get a chance to do the work and move ahead and move on with your life. So that's dope. So that's dope. So that's all I have to say about Aisha Curry. Um, I'm going to continue on in Curry news, okay? Um, This is a short tidbit. Uh, Seth Curry's brother, uh, excuse me, Steph Curry's brother, Seth, okay? He plays for the Trailblazers. And he, (laughs) I just, I'm adding this because I thought it was funny. Um, I was prepping for the show and this this story came on. So I was like, let me write that down because that's hilarious. Anyway, um, they were playing last night. Um, His guy falls down dramatically into another player's, like, legs area. Um, Steph's going, or Steph's going down to pick the fella up. Um, The opposing player who, who's his player fell into 
he's like got an attitude or something you know he's trying to trying to get down there and be like hey man you, you ran into my legs or something i don't know what he's trying to say but seth came up and like put his hand on him you know wiped his hand away like oh i'm about to get my dude up and then the guy like pushes seth you know what i'm saying I'm like wait a minute then they get into a squabble and there's that right at the end of the game at the press conference seth curry was like he was like yeah they got a lot of sassy players over there <laughs> i said who says sassy did you call us grown men sassy I said, this is going to get real ridiculous. I can't wait for that game on Saturday. You call them people sassy. Sassy? Oh, my God. But anyway, that's Seth Curry for you. So, my boy Steph, um, in more important news and in more serious tones here. So, let's let's get it. Let's get it serious here. Okay. <sighs> Steph Curry is my favorite player in basketball right now. Okay. He became my favorite player. Once Kobe Bryant, my favorite player, retired. I have two jerseys. Two. One is Kobe Bean Bryant's with the LA Lakers. And the other one is Steph Curry. Gold State. Alright. So obviously you guys know, because I've kind of been talking about it over the past several uh, episodes or so, the playoffs are here. Um, the Lakers are not here because we are terrible, and I'll be getting to that to Laker Nation in just a little bit because it's a bunch of bullshit. It's a bunch of shit show shit, 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 shit going on over there in Tinseltown. We'll talk about it later. Um, but uh, Steph has been playing um, like bullshit. I mean, he hasn't been making his shots. I mean, he's in some kind of slump. Um, now, in one of the games, I think it was game one, he did dislocate his finger, um, his, his middle finger on one of his, one of his hands, he dislocated it, yeah, the finger was going another way, it was, alright, I'm sorry, but it was, okay, so they had to tape it up, they had to to just, you know, readjust it, pop it back in, basically, tape it up, maybe shoot it up, and then come on, let's go. Well, I don't know if this has been affecting him. I don't know if he's got other ailments. I don't know if he's got issues at the house because, you know, the Aisha thing. I don't know what's going on, but this nigga cannot make a shot. Now, KD went down in the last game two days ago in the third quarter, and him and, him and Clay really showed up and stepped up and played like they played before KD was even on the team. So y'all can do it. Y'all can do it. I just asked that Steph Curry go ahead and say his um say his prayers like he does every time um before the games, you know what I'm saying? Just say the prayers and believe the things and then just do your thing cuz I don't understand what's going on. Um so here's the deal. Golden State's up 3-2 on Houston. They're in Houston today, okay? Or tonight to play game 6. And I don't know that they're going to win this. Game 7 will undoubtedly be on Sunday, okay, in Golden State or in the Oracle, which is where Golden State plays their games out there in Oakland. Um, so, yeah, I really hope that Golden State can close out the game tonight. I just don't see it happening, honestly, unless they come out with a fervor that I haven't quite seen yet this playoff run. And I don't really see how they do that without a Kevin Durant. But you never know what's in store. So I'll just watch it and I'll see, you know, if they're able to, to keep it together. Something tells me it's going to be an early night for me. I'm going to be pissed off. But we'll see. We'll see. But just, Steph, get it together. Just get it together. Okay? Get it together. Get it together. 
I'm going to go back because I definitely started in the middle of my notes. So the first thing on my list was definitely the Met Gala Ball. You guys, you guys, um, celebrities. So I don't think celebrities are listening. Maybe they are. But if so, you guys really showed out. And if not, then those guys really showed out. And um, the theme was camp. And camp um, basically is anything that's extremely over the top. I can't even um, express to you the full out meaning of it because it's just it's just extravagance. It's like an extravaganza. If you've ever watched RuPaul's Drag Race, you'll understand camp number one. I think Lena Waithe made the statement on the back of her blazer, um, but uh, camp is definitely a drag drag uh, queen term, um, and so that's kind of where this whole thing comes from. So you had lots of interesting outfits. I think one of my favorite outfits was the Janelle Monae outfit where she was kind of like a face and the eye that the eye was like her breast and I think they said the eye even blinked but I never saw the eye blink I just saw it so um that's dope um I enjoyed Cardi B's look I really did it just it, it looked like a um it looked like one of those big red couches that you would see in um like a funeral home or something I don't know it was dope the train was huge um it was beautiful fantastic um trying to think Zendaya she did a great thing where she did like a bibbity bobbity situation um her I guess the dress the dressmaker came out like the fairy godmother and hit the bibbity bobbity boo and then the dress actually lit up from the bottom up which which was pretty dope I mean shit I'm a I'm a Disney kid I grew up in the fucking 80s and 90s and I watched tons of fucking Disney, so that was up my alley right there. I'm not a Zendaya fan per se, but you know, she alright, she alright. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it was a lot of looks, a lot of things. I saw a lot of, um, I saw a lot of people that was styled by Dapper Dan. And, and here's, here's the thing, I guess I'm just confused, and y'all just gonna have to help me. I thought we were still, I thought we were still boycotting and banning and Gucci. I thought that was still a thing. So, while Dapper Dan is a legend, Dapper Dan is our legend. I mean, what the fuck are we doing? Are we are we boycotting Gucci or not? Like I saw, I saw um, Regina, Regina. Damn, what is her name? The chick from Big Little. Um, was it Regina? Not Regina Bell. Not Regina King. Regina Hall. Regina Hall had on a Gucci dress and because it was styled by Dapper Dan we were supposed to be good with it Amari Hardwick came out with a Gucci Dapper Dan inspiration um I can't remember who else that was it was another guy another man um with it so I mean I guess my main issue is is I I, I'm with us supporting Dapper Dan but I feel like Dapper Dan had a responsibility to um had a responsibility to try to distance distance himself from Gucci as best as he possibly could without damaging that bridge that he has. You don't want to burn that bridge that bridge with Gucci because again, those of you who don't know who Dapper Dan is, Dapper Dan is um, obviously a clothing designer. He he did all of these designs back in the '90s and stuff, and he actually was the one that got all the rappers wearing Gucci and all of these big names because they weren't doing that. 
But Dapper Dan was cool. He was from Harlem, and everybody wanted him to style them. So he he made he came up with these these looks, and then Gucci stole his looks and wouldn't give him credit. And then it basically, I guess maybe five years ago or so, Gucci finally made good on what they had done over decades of bullshit with Dapper Dan, and they gave Dapper Dan not only a job at Gucci but his own line um, within the Gucci imprint. So it was super dope that dapper dan got that and i was proud of him i still am but you know damn what are we gonna do here do you want to just pick your stuff up and and design your own stuff and don't worry about it being gucci because i believe that it will still sell just fine that's just the way i feel about it so i was concerned and confused about that I did notice that a lot of different people had something to say about that. Oh, we're still fucking, you know, we're still over Gucci, just still fuck Gucci, this, that, and the other. Um, so I'm not real sure who else was a part of this whole thing. Um, my son, who is uh, a rapper and activist in New York, he um, he had a post slash song or freestyle about this. And it was directed at Snoop, so I didn't see where Snoop had Gucci on, but then again, I don't follow everything about Snoop, so I'm not sure what the issue is. So I will um, try to follow up on that later, but yeah, guys, I I was confused about that. I was really confused about that. Um, some people were, um, some people dressed kind of like they were going to prom, right? Um, not the theme. Some people were very extravagant and over the top. I was excited to see the drag queens that showed up at the Met Gala Ball. But it wasn't a bunch of them, but, you know, I follow them on Instagram, so I was able to see some of those um, images, because you'll never see those images on, like, you know, the Shade Room or any other, you know, Hollywood gossip rag that you might follow, right? So, um, I think the biggest, <laughs> I think the biggest showstopper was Billy Porter. That's the fella from Pose. Um, it's a FX show about um, drag queens. Uh, so, and the drag lifestyle, I think, of the 90s, 80s and 90s. Um, which I actually need to go ahead and start so that I can be um, on point for the second season to start. Because they did just put that out on um, on Netflix. So, the first season is there. I need to go ahead and get into it. Because I caught, like, one episode one time by accident. And I was like, what is this? You know, I was like, what is this? And so I was really happy with it. Um, so I just have to check it out and just get up on it. But Billy Porter, you know, he, he's been pretty extravagant for the past couple of um, red carpets. All right. I think the, the Grammys, he came through in a dress. Okay. Uh, or Oscars. I'm not real sure which which one it was. But, he, you know, he's, he's gender bending. And that's what he's doing. So it was, a, it was an interesting look. And I appreciated it, truly. Um, let me see what else I got. Here, I'll be skipping around today. Um, okay, I want to talk. I want to talk uh, news stuff. Then I want to get into the Us review. I actually did see Us finally, y'all. Listen, I, I'll get into it in a minute. Um, quote of the day. Quote of the day, and this is. I'm starting to try new shit. So y'all, let me know if y'all like the shit. Uh, quote of the day is, um, or of the week rather, is life is like a sandwich no matter which way you flip it the bread always comes first roll them okay roll them i like that all right so let's do news 
let's do news. Um, uh, Malaya, uh, or Malia, I think it's Malia, actually, Davis. Young lady, she's four years old, she's missing. Um, this story is so stupid, so out of control, you guys aren't going to understand it. I'm not going to be able to articulate it properly because it's so flawed. So, um, about four days ago or so, um, apparently, um, Malia was with her stepfather and her brother in a car, and apparently he was driving, and then he, somehow he, he pulled over to help somebody, I don't know, he got hit in the head tremendously, like lots of blood, it's a horrible gash, horrible scar actually, and then he said he woke up at 21 hours later, and he said that he had the son, the son was in his possession, but he noticed that Malia was gone, okay, he said that, um, he couldn't, he was in and out of consciousness, however, he said that three, um, two or three Mexican, uh, men, or Hispanic men, uh, took Malia, okay, that's the story, that's the story, now, apparently, yesterday, there was a bit of a bombshell dropped because Malia's mother, um, she, she let out that she believed that the stepfather was molesting Malia. She believed that the stepfather had something to do with it. You know, all of these things. She doesn't believe the story. All of these things then came out. So, what they did was they checked some surveillance, you know, around different, different areas, and, um, they found the car. The car that, that, um, the car that was the family car that was stolen so again i now me even saying this i'm missing pieces of the story because i was under the impression that the man was asleep unconscious in the car so how are you in the car but now a car has been found so whatever so let me just go ahead and report it as i see it so basically um they found the family car that they thought okay if we find the car we'll find malia they found the car in an abandoned parking lot no malia they checked surveillance around the area, and they found um, the stepfather on surveillance camera, hold, carrying like a, a basket, like a uh, laundry basket. It looked like it had some plastic bags up in there, and allegedly some bleach. I did not see the bleach, but they say that he had bleach, so there's that. Um, so, I mean, who in the fuck really knows what's going on here? Because it sounds crazy. Um, the story does definitely not add up. Um, the, the stepdaddy sounds more and more like he's involved than anyone would probably like. Um, and we don't have any answers. And, and here it is multiple days later. I want to say, shoot, I found out about this little baby probably Monday or Tuesday. So here we are four or five days later and she's still missing. So, yeah. So, yeah. This is just... It's a troublesome thing. I'm going to keep watching it, and I pray they find her okay, but, you know, the likelihood of finding her alive is is very low at this point, as we all know. I think we all watch enough Criminal Minds, NCIS, uh, CSI, uh, the news, to know that, you know, the life expectancy, once you hit a certain amount of hours, goes down drastically, you know. So we're going to pray for little Malia Davis. Um... Georgia, 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 Georgia passed, the Georgia governor signed, um, you know, the, the governor that stole the election from Stacey Abrams a couple of months back, yeah, he just signed the heartbeat bill, 
basically stating that once the baby is six weeks old, you are unable to have an abortion. Um, you know, a lot of women understand that this is bullshit and men should too. This is dumb. You don't even know you're pregnant by six weeks when, once you're six weeks. So that is equivalent to being two weeks late with your period. That's all six weeks. And a lot of times, because men don't know this, and specifically the stupid-ass man who decided to sign this bill doesn't know this, a lot of times our periods are late just for no reason. For no reason. They're stress or, you know, you got some, some something going on in your body. Your pH balance could be off. I mean, there's so many things that could cause your period to be late. So a lot of women don't even pay attention when their period is late. It's only when it's late, late, like two months late, like you're like, wait a minute, I ain't had my period and when's the last time I had my, wait a good goddamn minute now, you see what I'm saying? So, it's just very frustrating, it's extremely frustrating that these men are up here fucking this up, okay, and it's more frustrating that these women are out here allowing this to be fucked up, it's frustrating because I watched his, his fucking prick ass sign the thing and then he had like three four five women you know behind him while he's signing this thing and they're up here grinning and scanning and a friend of mine was like well you know that's a photo op i don't give a fuck you say you don't want to do the photo op you say you know what no i don't agree with this no i don't care what you allegedly are trying to pay me so that you have women behind you see these women appreciate it how come all women won't appreciate it just like a white person saying see i have a black friend what do you mean i'm not racist you know what i'm saying i got this one black person over here that i you know talk to on a regular basis like man get that shit out of here get it out of here I'm just, I'm just increasingly frustrated by um, the people who make the laws, okay? Because you people don't give a fuck about the people. You just care about your bottom line. You care about your dollars, um, which is a great segue into the essential oil deal. So I have a, a good friend, uh, Jamila, Jamila Miller. She does her podcast, um, That Girl Named Boom. She, she shared this article on Facebook a few weeks back about how the FDA um, is going to ban these essential oils. So what I did was I couldn't, I didn't go back to the article itself on Facebook, Jamila, sorry. Um, I, I just did a quick Google search and I found something a little different and it's probably the same information, but I think I internalized it differently when I first read the, um, the post, but um, I found something different, but it all equals the same exact thing because the FDA is warning these essential oil manufacturers to stop telling people that they can replace medicines with these essential oils which again goes right back to what the main point was that Jamila made in regards to um in regards to people doing this you know and why they don't want this to happen anymore and it's mainly because you know it's mainly because you know Big Pharma has a problem with that. What do you mean you have these essential oils that are manufactured from the earth that can heal you? No, 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 no. You need to go buy my aspirin that's going to tear up your stomach and eat out your stomach lining. No, you need to go get my antibiotics that's going to, you know, build you up, back you up. You're not going to be able to use the bathroom. You're going to have, you know, give you a yeast infection, all of these things. You know, so obviously... Big Pharma would not appreciate this, and obviously Big Pharma and FDA, they all come in here with the shenanigans, you know, they all have the same goal, 
Um, so it's not a straight up ban, but what they are what they are saying is that they are going to, you know, they issue these warnings ever since 2017. I was not aware of this um, to these different essential oils um, companies. So basically, this is this is what they're talking about. I found a nice little website, nice little website. It's like a Pathios website that, you know, a lot of like homeopathic people probably go to. And like, there's a nice little, there's several things here. Okay. Medicine cabinet makeover oils to replace medicines or medications in your home. And I'm going to, I'm going to go in deep into this. And then I'm going to tell you guys some of the things that they're trying to ban and tell you what the actual you know results of these things are what they allegedly okay cure okay so there's um there's panaway there's purification there's p and c there's lemon oils there's peppermint oil valor frankincense joy thieves lavender okay Um, Apparently, the lemon helps with the acne bunions, immunity, varicose veins, oily skin. It's an alkalizer, which is big alkalizer, okay? I.e., do some research on Dr. Sebi. Um, Panaway helps with the sciatica, bruising, cramps, arthritis, sore muscles, inflammation, which also, you know, what turmeric does too, right? So, lots of oils, lots of, lots of, um herbs that can help with this too um purification helps with odors flu flu, sore throat blisters purifies you know your body which i probably could use that right now um and and even as a bug spray um frankincense is used to you know to help with concentration and depression and respiratory issues wrinkles anxiety warts like okay so so y'all see now why they want to go ahead and ban some of these things and why people are saying oh i don't need to go to the doctor let me do this you see what i'm saying and then i'll be good to go there's oils for weight loss and cellulite um high blood pressure oils um, non-essential oils used for high blood pressure. That's lemon balm, rose oil, lavender, chamomile, hibiscus, rosewood, basil, sage um, oils. All of these things. All of these things. There's diabetes oils. Oils that, you know, you can kind of use to kind of combat your diabetes. Like, there's a total breakdown. Oils for autism. Oils for breast cancer. Okay. Tumors. You see? So, opioid replacements. So here's the deal, hyperthyroidism, wow, um, so, so that's the deal, man, so all of these, there's so many companies that say, oh, we can create this, we can, we can do this, you can use this as opposed to going to the doctor and getting these meds, the FDA is, the way they position it in this article is, oh, well, we just want them to stop telling them to replace these medicines and not giving them the full disclosure of what these essential oils can, you know, what the, basically what, um, the side effects are, you know, you know, this isn't, isn't, it's not a end all be all, you know, cure for cancer kind of thing, you know, that's what they're trying to mask this as, but realistically speaking, um, y'all just don't want to cut into, uh, Big Pharma's pocket, and because of, and, and you guys can, you know, stay with me if you want, but because Nipsey has just been murdered, maybe, what was that, a month ago now, that was at the end of March, right, so a month ago now, maybe a month and a half at this point, 
he was murdered. He had a song and talked about Dr. Sebi. Lots of people had a conspiracy theory. Oh, you know, because he's doing the documentary about Dr. Sebi, this is why this all happened. Regardless of how you feel, that word got out. People started doing research on Dr. Sebi. People started looking into an alkaline diet. People started doing all this stuff, you know, to see, okay, so how can I put better things in my body so that I don't have to deal with the issues that my mom and my dad and my granny and my aunties are dealing with right now. I can try right now to suppress that. How can I do it, you know? So, um, so yeah, um, so, so that's the deal with the essential oils. I will, um, make this link available for anyone that wants that wants it, um, I can make the link available on social media somewhere somehow, um, or you can just DM me on the Mill Speaks page and I'll just send it to you. That way you can do your own research and see what what's what. Um, but thank you, Jamila, for that information because that's important. And like I was telling um, Carrie, a friend of mine, you know, we use tons of these essential oils. Like I was telling her, as I was telling her about it, I was looking at four things of oil that I use on a regular basis on my scalp. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's that what jojoba or jojoba, okay? Um, peppermint, um, coconut oil, um, tea tree oil. You know, all of these oils are in danger, especially tea tree oil. These these things are in danger. And, um, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. So it sounds like I just need to stock up on all these oils until, you know, before they, like, <laughs> before they completely, like, shut it down. And that could be the plug. Alright, y'all? Alright? But you didn't hear that here. Okay? Anyway, um, so yeah, that's, that's what I got for news, 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 so we're done with news, so, um, alright, so here's the deal, alright, so I watched, I watched Us, in full disclosure, I watched Us, not in the movie theater, I pulled it up on the fire stick, and watched it there, it showed up, it was very dark, but I was able to make out the majority of the movie, I was able to take in all of the points of the movie. However, I still feel like I definitely need to see it um, in its realest capacity. Um, so, in the movie theater. So, if I can get out, um, I will do that. But otherwise, let's just go ahead and get the fuck into it. I mean, we're 50 minutes in, and I'm pretty sure this is going to take me a while to get through. Because there's so many things, so many elements, so much, okay, to discuss here and to unpack. Um, so, my first, my first, um, feelings about us was that it was amazing. Um, from every angle that a movie can be amazing, it was amazing. It was visually appealing. The script was fantastic. The acting was superb. Um, the audio, the audio was most important. And I feel like I touched on this before, y'all, on, previous ep- on a previous episode about how audio is so important to a film and TV. Like, it is so important. And this movie does not disappoint with the audio. When I'm telling you these people, because again, alright, so let me just go through the movie. Um, tons of spoilers right now, so cut it off if you haven't seen it, or cut it off if you care about not being spoiled. Even though the movie did come out almost two months ago, hopefully you guys have seen it somehow, some way, and hopefully if you're listening now, it's because you don't care about the spoils, it being spoiled, okay? Um, wow, so, 
the movie the movie is about this family who goes on a uh, summer trip to their beach house in Santa Monica or Santa Cruz is in Santa Monica Santa Monica Pier. Uh, this is where the young lady is from. She's from this this area, and she grew up here. And um, you know, <laughs> they grew up there, and they I guess they went there on a regular basis. So um, the movie starts off back in 1986 when young Adelaide was just sitting there watching TV. Lots of old school video or commercials was on. Man, um, the biggest one was. Um, the biggest one was the uh, Hands Across America. I don't know if you guys remember that. That's when, like, you know, you paid, you paid whatever you paid to be a part of this like human link to basically hold hands with people and say, "Hey, hey, we're all one." You know, you're my brother, you're my sister. You know, it was really nice sentiment. I think. I guess I was three when this happened, so I was not a part of it. Okay. Um. So. Um. So that movie, it, so it starts off that way. Um, then it, they go into them. Um, then they go into them basically um, going out one night to the carnival. Mom and Dad's kind of bickering back and forth. Dad's kind of fun. He's kind of fun. Mom's like always stressed, like, "Well, you gotta watch her. You gotta do this." You know, a regular mom. Dad's the regular fun dad. Oh, it's gonna be all right. Here, you know that kind of thing. And um, she's she's just a normal kid. She's a normal kid. Well, she goes wandering off like kids normally do into this little fun house with mirrors and shit, which I am gonna tell you right now. I would have never gone in here, not by myself, not on duty, okay? So, um, she goes into the fun house, she's, she's nervous, she can't get out, she's lost, and then she, um, she's lost, and then she, um, she finds her doppelganger. Her doppel, doppelganger, um, she sees in the mirror, um, once she, it's not like she's looking in the mirror at herself, uh, herself is like turned around too, you see, and then, you know, her, her image attacks her, okay, and then it cuts, then it cuts, and then we flash back to current times, okay, so in current times, Lupita is now a grown woman, uh, Adelaide is a grown woman, excuse me, she has two children of her own, and she's married to her husband, Gabe, okay, Gabe is played by Winston Duke, he is my man, Mbaku, from Black Panther, these are two totally different roles, and I love Mbaku. I hated Gabe. And I didn't hate Gabe because Gabe was whack. I hated Gabe because he was so whack! <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, um, you know, it is what it is. Um, Winston Duke actually discussed this on The Breakfast Club when the movie came out, or right before the movie came out, about how his role was a, a different role. Like, you look at a big black man, because, I mean, he's got to be, what, 6'5", okay? A cool 200, maybe close to almost 300 pounds. He's a big man. He's a big man, okay? And when you see that motherfucking movie, when you see him lay back on that bed, baby, with them thighs, mm, mm, whew, I like him, Baku, baby. That's, that's my kind of man. That's a man's man right there, baby. Anyway, um, but Gabe is, Gabe is, um, Gabe is your, your typical privileged, um, black man. And, and I know that might sound crazy, but this whole family is privileged. 
the whole family is privileged. This is a, a summer home. You know, they come here every summer. Like, you know, this kind of thing. This isn't this isn't normal behaviors that the person would, like if you're watching it and you'd be like, Oh wait, this is the black family and they have a vacation, got a boat and they come here every you know, is that is that normal? A black family or a black person would say, That shit ain't normal, dog. You know, that might be normal in like white people's worlds and then it's not normal for all of them, honestly. So it was it was an interesting take just from that perspective. Okay? So they get to the they get to the uh, house and everything. Um, a few things happen in the movie that I was just like, what? Before they even, you know, got to the beach and stuff. Like, they're in the car, and Lupita's, like, trying to get the little boy to get on beat to the I Got Five on It song that I told y'all about in the movies, movies, movies episode. And they're both off. They're both off. Like, extremely off the beat. Both of them. But they are synchronized. Okay? So, stick a pin in that. Stick a pin in that, and we'll come back to that in a second. So, um... Lupita is in a place where she feels like, um... She feels like something is after her. She feels a cloud over her. Something ain't quite right is really what she's feeling right now. And it's because she knows that she had this experience when she was a kid in the fun house with the doppelganger and all this stuff. And she's getting concerned. Well, Gabe is not aware of this kind of thing. And he wants to push to go to the move, to the to the beach. He's like, we're right here on the beach. We should go to the beach. Da, 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 da. He eventually gets on her nerves so hard, and they eventually all go to the beach. So they have a nice little beach vacation, have a little beach trip, right? Um, uh, the kid, her son, her son is, um, her son is just straight weird, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it like that. Her son is just weird, okay? He, um, he was building like tunnels. Most kids build sand castles on beaches he was building tunnels on the beach you know what i'm saying and that is important because the doppelgangers or the tethered actually live in these tunnels underground but we're not there yet so my man goes off wandering just like adelaide uh, young adelaide does in the beginning of the movie and right in front of the place where Adelaide went into to find her doppelganger, he, um, he was just kind of wandering around there, and then he found, he saw this, this man standing there, bloodied, with scissors, and now that I have seen the movie, and now that I understand what has happened, I totally get why he was standing there like that, like a maniac. Because he was standing there with his arms out, he was bloody, and it was like, what are you doing? But I get it now. He was waiting on the other tethered to come through, to, to kill their their people, and to join hands. I get it now. I get it now. Wow, it just clicked. But anyway, so that's what happened. He found that guy, he was tethered. I mean, he found that guy, he was bloody, he had the scissors and everything. Okay, cool. Alright, camera cuts, and Lupita's like, where is, where is he? Where's Jason? Where's Jason? And then she starts spazzing the fuck out. Why? Because she is well aware of what's happening on the beach. Okay? So, they find him, they rush home, it's a stressful situation, all of that happens, right? Bruh. So that evening, 
that evening, they're all trying to retire to bed. Little kid, I think all of y'all have seen the previews. Little kid, there's a family in the driveway. First of all, you're too calm. Too calm, all right? Second, um, this is when your your survival instincts kind of kind of get get popping, and, and all your, uh, your 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 inner your inner start to get stressed because you got this group this family outside the house. Now Lupita's like, we need to call the police, right? We need to call the police. Gabe's like, are you serious? You can't call the police. We can call the police. Police? Are you serious? Now this is a black person reaction. Okay, so no matter how privileged my guy is, or both this whole family is, he is well aware that if you call the police, we could very much have a situation here, and we don't need another situation, because we already got this family in our driveway, we don't have a clue what they want, so we don't need to involve the police, and then they could possibly, you know, end up hurt, injured, or killed by the police, given their circumstance. So he was on some. We ain't calling the police. Call the police, you know. So I, I totally was on board with him. But at the same time, knowing, knowing the situation, she understood it's the it's time for the police. Okay, it's time for the police. All right. So she called the cops and everything. He goes out here and he tries to have his nice little calm conversation. You know, hey guys, you know, you know, get off the property. You know, we're trying to take it down. Can I help you? They don't say anything, obviously. They just sitting there, standing there, holding hands, looking crazy, and um, and then and then um, he goes back into the house and he's like, "I right, call the police." <laughs> and I thought that was so dope too. He's like, "All right, just go ahead and dial nine one one now, because you know they up here tripping." And um, you know, so. So she was like, I already called them. They won't be here for another 14 minutes. So they started tripping. So then that's when he decides, oh, let me get this bat. Let me go out here and let me do this, right? So he goes out here with his pretend gangster, all right, with this bat, you know. And, oh, if you want to get crazy, we can get crazy, you know. Da, 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 da. First of all, I didn't, I didn't believe him, not one second. He got a Howard sweatshirt on. I don't believe you, okay? I don't believe your collegiate ass, okay? Um, but... Uh, it, it just as soon as that happened Miss Lupita's tethered aka red she does a hand motion and the entire family disperses basically to attack the house okay so now we're in ultimate survival mode everybody's trying to close the doors close the windows get the back door right do this do that da, 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 yada 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 and it's a struggle, right? Um, but eventually, the family gets inside the house, and they they are in front of the other family, and they are now dealing with what they see. Now, there's huh, so many things to unpack here. I mean, at this point, we get to finally hear Red. We get to hear the story. We get to hear Red. Red is telling the story. Red is Lupita's tethered, Lupita's uh, doppelganger. Red is telling the story of a little girl who had everything and another little girl who had nothing. Um, while this little girl got, you know, pretty Christmas gifts, this other little girl got sharp, you know, toys to play with and everything was cold. This little girl grew up and married the man of her dreams. I couldn't marry the man of my dreams. I had to marry this man because this man was the tethered of her husband. So that's why I had to marry him. We had two children. She had a beautiful baby girl. I had a monster, okay? Uh, 
she had a, a son, you know, a second second child, and it was a son, and it had a C-section. It was a difficult pregnancy, and and uh, she had a C-section, and basically she's like, I had to do my C-section myself. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like straight up. So it was like so intense, and it was just amazing to sit there and watch. And her voice, and the reason why I said the audio was amazing, her voice was so gnarled. It was so, it was so toxic. It was so crazy. I was like, what is that out of your throat? It sound like a, a frog croaking uh, or something like that. It, it, it was, it was a, an extreme voice. And you know, one could only surmise that the reason the voice was like this is because obviously she lived her life up underneath ground and maybe coming up above air you know above ground this air is different um also there's a lot of pain in that throat in that voice there's a lot of anger there's a lot of bitterness in in the throat too so it's 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 a lot it's, it's heavy on a lot of levels a lot of levels um so then there's a then there's the onslaught um the husband's already hurt um, the, the tethered husband had already bust his leg with the bat that he threatened the people with. Okay. So he's already done. Um, the little girl, her daughter, who's like a teenager, she's a track star. And I kid you not, I was most terrified when Red told her, she was like, little girl, run. And I was like, oh, I said, you better go. I said, you better go. And, um, and uh, her tethered, the little girl, um, the little girl's tethered is also a, a track star. She's very fast because, again, everything that every characteristic that the above ground uh, person has, their tethered has, too. So let me tell you, this little bitch was no joke. OK, um, from both levels, the little girl was amazing, truly amazing. She was great as her own character. She was fantastic as her tethered character. Her tethered character was amazing. Like I, I was actually really scared of her. I wasn't scared of the rest of them. I mean, Winston Duke, you were a little afraid of only because he's just a big and and he didn't talk and he was aggressive and he didn't understand anything because of his state. But um, but that little girl's tethered. I'm more scared of that little girl's tethered than anybody else in the movie. Straight up. So, um, (laughs) so the little girl's tethered gives her like a gives her a nice little uh, start and, you know, like a, a nice little start. She, she sat there, she let her run, she let her run, she did her neck, you know, you know, broke her neck off or whatever, <laughs> stretching her neck, trying to get loose, then she took off to go get the girl, so, you know, we don't see any of that happening, because obviously, you know, she doesn't really catch her, she never catches her, which is good, um, so, let's see, where am I at now, the little boy, the little boy's tethered, they both go into... <laughs> into the closet to play and the closet's important because the little boy had already been locked in the closet earlier in the uh, movie when his sister kicked the little ambulance little doorstop out of there and so he was locked in the closet and he was stressed and then she was like didn't that happen last year you know and all kind of stuff so that's also more foreshadowing to let us know that something just ain't right about this little boy either but whatever right so um so basically so basically at this point all of the different families are dispersed throughout 
the the area, the either the house or the area, because uh, Gabe's tether, the man, the husband, his tether took him to the boat. I guess he put him in a bag. I guess he was gonna throw his ass over overboard. Okay, I guess Gabe eventually gets a chance to get out of the boat, and then he uh, kills his tethered. You know, um, he kills his tethered. He gets out the boat. You know, and he get he makes it back home to you know the family so that when they finally break out of the house they have some place to run to okay it, that, that is to the boat of course um wow it's just so crazy um and red slash lupita they're the only ones left in the house um outside of the two little boys they're the ones left in the house and she you know, Lupita's still talking to her. What do you want? And this is one of my favorite parts of the movie because you have these tight, up-close images of Lupita as both Red and Adelaide. And she's so flawless. Her fear from Adelaide's face with the tear, which was very reminiscent of um, Get Out's tears, uh, the fella's tears from Get Out, when he was, you know, completely under. Um, so that was another, I think that's a Jordan Peele thing. Um, so from that face, but then when you go to the other side, to Red's maniacal face, she's like looking at her like interested, like, like she's like a, a test buddy, like, okay, so what's up? You know, that kind of thing. It was such a heavy moment for me. I just can't even, I just can't even, okay? And so, um, she, she has, you know, a little bit to say or whatever, but while this is happening, she was getting ready to try to kill her, you know, she's getting ready to try to kill her or whatever. She puts her face down on this, um, down on this table, which is a mirror, and I thought it was so dope that she put her face down on the mirror and then it broke and it was cracking, and then Lupita's, like, red came down on her, so it's like, now we see four Lupitas, and listen, it was so many different levels to this thing, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to be scared, it's really not about that, I feel like y'all have to get past some of that anxiety stuff, like, oh, I'm just stressed, it's these suspense stuff, no, man, no, you have got to experience this, and the only way that you can is you have to confront the issue, you have to deal with the issue, and, and make Maybe that is some sort of issue that's even within you that you don't even want to deal with. Maybe your anxiety level is high for some reason and you need to work on that. And then maybe other things won't be so anxious for you. You know, I don't know what the situation is. I'm trying to, you know, do a little a little analysis on y'all, those of you who don't want to see the movie. Um, I loved it tremendously. Um, so at that point now, we've got um, Wild Lupita... And Lupita are fighting, okay, um, on the table here. Uh, the little boy, the the main little boy. I'm going to say tethered when I mean the, the doppelgangers, and I'm going to just talk about the regular people as regular people, um, just so that we're clear. So the little boy now is in the closet with his tethered, and he um, realizes that the little, the tethered does every single thing that he does. He can control the little boy. The little boy learns that he can control the tether. The tethers, some of the tethered know they can control their people, but not all of them know that. Um, only Red knows that. So, um, so yeah, it was just a trip. It was a trip. Um, so they all get themselves out of 
harm's way out of the house. They make it out of the house into the boat to get over here to the white family's house. Okay, they're friends. Okay, well, while they're trying to get there, the white family's tethered actually comes in the house and takes them out so efficiently. I've never seen kills more efficient. I said, my God, y'all didn't even issue no kind of, uh, there was no, there was no fight or anything. There was no struggle. Y'all just let them come in here and kill y'all. So, um, by the time they get there, they realize that, um, these people are not who they, who they, you know, are, you know, who they say they are. Um, or who they appear to be. That's really what it is. And so now the fight has to continue. Now we got to fight the white people. Okay, the white tethered, right? So um, Lupita, the little boy, and the little girl um, end up taking out the whole family with the exception of the dad. The um, the dad, uh, Lupita's husband, takes out the uh, white dad's tethered. Um there's so many different levels of awesome in this scene, though. Like, the the white lady, before she was completely murdered by her tethered family, um, she was talking to Alexa, and she's like, Alexa, call the police. And Alexa plays, okay, playing now. Fuck the police. And it was just so crazy. And I was like, oh, my God. So, um, yeah, so that happened. That happened. Um, so the little girl, she killed the uh the two twins the twin the twin daughters um the little boy killed the mother because the mother was definitely about to kill Lupita and then um and then um the dad killed the dad of course so (sighs) they think that one of the twins is dead um Lupita has to go in here to get the car keys they're all about to dip out the house get into the car they're like where the car keys she goes back in here um to get the car keys realizes that one of the bodies is gone okay and now she realizes okay i've got to be on the lookout she finds the car keys but before she can get out obviously you know she um before she can get out obviously the uh the girl comes attacks her there's a fight there's a struggle um lupita um finds the scissors that they all have finds the scissors kills her in the most gruesome way like with the heavy breathing stabbing her she's dead the little boy walks in on her doing this and they realize okay we there's a danger here let's go ahead and go to the car let's go everything was cool they got to the car the little girl's sitting in the car she's like i'm driving dad's legs jacked up i got more kills than everybody in the family i'm i'm gonna drive them and Lupita's like, no, you don't, because I just killed one of the twins, so blah, 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 right? Whatever, cool, cool. So, basically, um, <laughs> so basically, they're about to argue about who's driving, and then they look down the driveway, and they see, um, they see the little girl's tethered. Because, see, the little girl got away from her tethered because while she, her tether was trying to catch her, trying to kill her, she was standing up on a car and some white man comes out and he's like, hey, get off my car. Get off my car. You see? And so that was a situation. So she definitely had to take him out. And while she was taking him out, then the little girl ran back to the house and that's how they ended up getting back together and going over to the neighbor's house. So having said all of that, they did that and um as they were trying to leave the tether just is right there on in front of the car so 
the dad, this is the part that turns me out. The dad was like, all right, back the car up, back the car up. The little girl's like, everybody buckle up, okay? She was so gangster. She was like, all right, yeah, we about to take her out because I'm tired of this. So she basically um, took her out, basically hit her, with, didn't hit her with the car because she climbed up on the car, but they got her pinned down and then she, you know, they got her to a place where she was on the car and the girl was going so fast and then she slammed on brakes and then threw her body into the woods and um, and she died. She did die, but she was, oh boy, she was trying like hell to kill Lupita. She was hanging from a, from a tree. And, and all she could do was reach that arm out, but she was so, ooh, she was so, she was so evil, she was so willing to finish the task, she was trying her hardest to get her, and Lupita just couldn't kill her, which, again, more foreshadowing, right, I'm like, why in the hell did she take that little girl out, obviously, I mean, she's gonna die, so you don't have to do it, but, I mean, she, she definitely looked at her, and was just like, you know, I'm not gonna kill you, I'm not gonna kill you, you know what I'm saying, just one of them things, and it was kind of one of those understood things, you know. So the little girl dies in the tree. Okay, cool. They get back in the car. And then they go, um, at this point, I think they go, um, they try to go someplace else. And while they're driving, um, their car is now set on fire in the middle of the road. And the little boy now has set a trap for them. So now they're, they're in the car. The little boy has their car set on fire. And when Lupita gets out the car, which I was like, what is she out the car again for? Um, but when Lupita gets out the car um, to go see about the kid, he's got this, uh, his hand is doing the thing like like the other kid, his, his, his uh, above ground tether, okay, constantly has a lighter in his hand. He's a pyro guy. He loves, he loves fire, okay. So the kid has his, his hand, he's doing this with his hand, and he's got a match in his hand. And then Lupita looks down um, as the little kid in the car is like, get out, this is a trap. You know, how does he know that? Who knows, right? But anyway, um, so the little boy was going to basically, um, it was gasoline going from where he was all the way to where the car was, so he was basically going to burn them up. That's, that's how that was going to go. Um... But they got out, and, you know, Lupita was able to, um, actually, Lupita did nothing. What ended up happening with this situation was the kid knows that he can control his tether, so he, like, so he, like, backed himself up all the way back up, you know, so that he could kind of get the kid to back up into the fire, and then that's how they killed the little kid, Tether, okay? Well, while he's doing this, he's, well, while, after he's done this, then Red, Lupita's tethered comes out of nowhere okay literally and you know swipes him up and then takes him back to the fun house and now it's on and popping and we all know okay Lupita's got to now go to this thing to go get the son she's got to go to get Jason now okay so this is where the uh, movie turns turned it gets so turned it turns into a true horror film at this point. <laughs> and I know I might have said a lot of things in the past 20 minutes or so about this movie. And I know you probably are like, this has already been a horror film. But no, it gets scary at this point. Like, okay, now your anxiety level is way up. Like, okay, bitch, now you going down here where they at. 
Jesus, why? You know, my only concern was, was there more of them down there? Which it wasn't because they had, you know, they basically put this attack together. So everybody was out of the tunnels and really only Red was down there waiting on her. That's really what was going on. She was waiting on her. Um, so once she gets down there and finds her, which, I mean, it takes some time. It takes some time for her to get down there, for her to find her, all of these things. But once she gets down there, like, man, it is, it is so intense. That conversation again is intense because she was talking about this time about how she was a dancer and how she danced, you know, all the time. And that's when Red told Lupita that I realized that I could control you, you see. And that should have further let us as the moviegoer know that something just ain't right with Adelaide. Because nobody else can be controlled by their tether. Nobody else can be controlled by their tether. Nobody else. Right? At least that's not the that's the thought. Nobody else can be. You control the tether, they don't control you. Um so she realized that well, when Adelaide was in, you know, dance classes and stuff, she realized that she was the one that was controlling her. And anytime they were like in the mirror and stuff, because you know, kids dance, you know, when you dance ballet, you know, you have to dance on the bar in front of the mirror and bruh. It's just too much. It's just too much. Okay? So, um, she goes down there. She finds Red. She talks about this and everything. Then they start this fight. And that's when I Got Five on it comes on. This interpolation, this new mix of I Got Five on it. Red and Adelaide are fighting. And Adelaide is moving every time. I mean, Red is moving every time Adelaide swings because she knows where she's going to hit. She knows what she's going to do because she knows her. She is me, basically. So, um, it's just, it was just a very poetic, very beautiful part of the film when they were dancing. It was almost like a ballet by, with themselves. When, and Lupita just was phenomenal on a hundred different levels. Um, and then, um, you know, they basically get to a place where, you know, Lupita has lost, she has lost eyes, lost, lost red. She has not, she doesn't know where red is. And then she's in there, she's looking, she's looking and she's looking and everything. And then red appears behind her and then she stabs red. She stabs red and she kills red. You, not just a regular kill dog. Like this is a animalistic, killed red, you know what I'm saying? So you know, it, it was it was very intense, and she realized she had to take her out like that. It wasn't enough to stab her and leave her. You had to take her out. I mean, that's just that's just real shit. So, um, so she did that. She came and she found Jason, her son, um, somewhere in the, in the um in a locker in there, and basically she um they came out or whatever, and and they left. Okay. As they're driving away, Lupita's thinking about that night all over again and realizing that it was her who was the tethered, okay? She realized that it was she that was the tethered and it wasn't Red. Red is rightfully so pissed the fuck off because she's a regular human being who was born above above ground, 
and, and destined to live and, and do the things that she wanted to do. Whereas, you know, before she went into that fun house and found, you know, Lupita, okay, you know, she was going to have a normal life. So once she went in there, they showed how the doppelganger choked her, knocked her out, drug her back to um, the tunnels. So drove her back to the tunnels, um, drug her, excuse me, back to the tunnels, chained her up to the bed. Lupita's waking up at this point. Okay, real Adelaide's waking up. She's chained to this bed, and then she, um, and then she's watching her 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 tether put on her t-shirt and go. And so basically, the tether comes out and goes along with the family. So what I didn't mention earlier was that once this whole ordeal had happened they didn't show any of this at first but once this whole ordeal had happened when she came out of the fun house they had to take her to a hundred thousand different um specialists because she wasn't speaking after that she was she was traumatized they believe she had post um um ptsd they thought she had ptsd and it wasn't PTSD, it was the fact that she didn't know how to speak because she just didn't know how to speak because she had lived her entire life underground with her parents who didn't speak English and were controlled by their tethered up above ground, right? So she's thinking about all of these things as she's driving away and she's looking over at her son and she starts this little weird grin and he's like he's looking at her with a side eye like he's like who is this bitch over here like yeah you look like my mama but who is this over here you know so I kind of feel like the son is well aware that his mom might have been a teller and I think I kind of feel like the little boy was also a tethered. That's just how I feel. Now, you guys will have to watch the movie, and you'll see that the other tethered little boy, his face was burned off, but that was mainly because he was really into fire. Something happened. But that doesn't mean that 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 couldn't have happened last year when he got locked in the closet before, remember? And he's got this lighter. He's got this lighter. He can't do this magic trick. It's like he remembers the magic trick, but he can't do it. And it's because he never did the magic trick. You're the tethered son. And the other kid did the magic trick and knows how to do the magic trick. (laughs) You know what I mean? So that is my hot take on that. Obviously, it's not too hot because I think that a lot of people feel this way. But I definitely believe that Lupita and the son are tethered who have now gotten to a place where they can kind of be um, kind of passing. Kind of passing as just, you know, regular folks, right? Because... Because, you know, that's what this is. That's what this is. So, um, it's so many different things to, to, to unpack with this movie. Um, Lupita let me know that she was a tethered long before the epiphanies in her head. The way that she killed the, the white girl and the way that she killed Adelaide let me know that she was a tethered. She was extremely animalistic. She was extremely crazy. She grunted like them. She was, oh my God, it was, it was, it was really a trip. It was really a trip. So, um, so I really hope that you guys have an opportunity to watch this movie. 
um, hopefully, if you have seen it, my analysis is, is, is on point with what you thought. Um, but overall, I just, I really enjoy the hell out of this movie. I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like I'm going to buy this movie when it comes out. I feel like I need to have it physically um, just because it's so amazing. And I didn't feel that way about Get Out. Now, Get Out was a good movie. Now, I enjoyed it tremendously and mainly because the ending was so favorable for black people. But, um... <laughs> But no, I, this movie is more than, you know, it's more than what it, it's more than what meets the eye with, with this film. Like, there's so much more. Um, I didn't even go into the biblical, you know, stuff, the Jeremiah 11, 11, you know, basically saying that I will bring forth all the force and, and when they call for me, um, I will not hear them, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So it's just, it's it's amazing, it's amazing, um, I just, I don't know what more to say about that, outside of the fact that I was genuinely just pleased as punch, I, I was stressed, I was a little scared, scared in some places, but overall, I was so ecstatic about it, and I'm kind of bummed out that I wasn't able to get to the movies, you know, back in March, to, to really take it in, because I'm be honest with you, I wanted to watch it at the movies, right, then I wanted to go to the hood movie theater and watch it with the black people. Because, again, you know, listen, there's different experiences for different things, okay? And I'm here to tell you right now, I saw Baby Boy in the movie theater in Savannah, Georgia, when it came out, and it was with a bunch of black people. And I'm here to tell you this is the most enjoyable scenario I've ever had in my life. Black people did not talk too much through the movie. There was plenty of talking, but nothing was missed on the movie uh, screen. Like, it was just... It was a fantastic experience. We just have different reactions to shit. And it's necessary to experience that with your people. Okay? Um, so I definitely wish that I had that experience with um, this movie. So I will make it my business. At least try. Okay? Knock on wood. Uh, for Jordan Peele's next movie. To, to try to get to the movies and make sure that I can experience it in all the ways that I know I should. Um, but, I mean, if I had to rate it, I would give it an A++. Fuck it. Okay? Um, I just, I've never been more pleased with a film that's a horror film. I've never been pleased with a horror film. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's scary movies that are good and everything, but, I mean, that's not movies that you would typically watch on a regular basis or over and over again. I could see myself watching Us over and over again. You know, honestly. So, so there's a lot. There's a lot there. This is an hour and 30 minutes in. I apologize, but not really. I took about 40 minutes to talk about us. So there's that. Um, we touched on tons of things. I hope Miss Malia Davis is found. I hope that Steph and Aisha Curry can get themselves together um, both on both fronts. I'm going to pray for all the Georgia women who are late on their periods. Um, I'm going to keep an eye out on this essential oil thing and I'm also going to keep an eye out on the Malia Davis thing just to check to make sure young lady gets um, found and my last bit I have this other this new segment I'm trying to test out here and it's called who raised y'all so who raised y'all who raised y'all this is uno edition uno edition so a couple of days ago uno decided that they were going to tweet out um, some some vital vital rules okay to the game and one of the rules was, and I told my cousins this, and my cousins was like, what the? <laughs> but anyway, um, 
the rule is, um, I don't know how you guys play, but when, when we've played, when I grew up playing Uno at different summer camps and stuff, you know, after school programs, bam, we have a big old table, we have like three or four decks of Uno and Uno cards in there, and you know, we just put them all together, get it popping, everything, right? So, um, when we played, say I put down a draw two, okay? put a draw two down, the next person either has to draw two, or they can put a draw two down, and then that means that the next person has to draw four, or they can put a draw two or a draw four down, the next person got to draw eight, and then they can put something down, so eventually, so ultimately, it could get to a place where everybody, is, we used to call it setting it off, alright, time to set it off, and then we could get to a place where the person that started it could be the one that has to pluck all the cards you see so i so i love the shit out of playing uno with my people i did i truly did shout out to Isit. shout out to miss veronica miller and shout out to uh, brandon miller her son uh, brandy murray uh niece um and everybody who attended the Isit summer program thank you for being part of my childhood thank you Okay, um, so Uno came through and was like, yeah, that's against the rules. No, if you put down a draw four, the next person has to draw four, and then they can put down a card. And we were like, man, who in the f- well, first of all, who even asked y'all? That's the real question. Who asked y'all? Nobody asked y'all. Okay, so, um, so yeah, it's not a real who raised y'all, but it's kind of like Uno, who asked y'all? So, you know. We, it doesn't matter what they say. We're going to play it the way we want to play it. Okay? So, if you're playing Uno with me, just know that we got house rules. And one of the house rules is that we will, um, we stack. Simple. We stack. Okay? And then, we got so fancy with some of our stuff to where we play skips and, and uh, reverses, too. Um, where, like, uh, if somebody set it off and then they ended with, like, a red draw, too. And you put a red reverse on that bitch, that person has to do it bruh, it's crazy, it's crazy, so we had fun, I don't know what Uno's trying to do here, I don't know what kind of bullshit they're trying to, you know, set up here, but they're trying to take away the fun, so fuck Uno, um, we're gonna play it the way we wanna play it, okay, um, but that is really it, that's really it, I don't have much else to say, guys, I really hope that you enjoyed the hell out of this episode, I know I did, I actually enjoyed recording this one, um, and, I'll keep you posted on Miss Malia Davis and any other um, any other things that I mentioned in this episode um, that require follow up. Okay. Um, as usual, I pray that y'all have a fantastic weekend, have a fantastic week ahead, um, and again, let's bring up that goddamn beat. <laughs>